The Sangha is invited to come back to our breathing so that the collective energy of mindfulness can bring us together as an organism, flowing as a river with no more separation. Let the whole Sangha breathe as one body, listen as one body, chant as one body, transcending the boundaries of a delusive self, liberating us from the superiority complex, the inferiority complex, and the equality complex. From the depths of understanding Oh, Lisa. 
Dear Sangha, today is the 6th February 2014. We are in the still sitting meditation hall, still water meditation hall, the upper hamlet of the winter retreat 2013-2014. Among the mental formations, that we have learned. There's a mental formation called um, vitality, mankang, that, that in the Theravadan tradition called um, vitality, shukshum. Vitality, life, vitality. Mm-hmm. 
in Sanskrit, Chivitandra, Chivinta is life, Indriya is It's the it's the base, it's the ground foundation. Sense base. When we are a fetus in a mother's womb, we have that already have that energy. And in Theravadan tra- tradition, there distinguish two kinds of vitality. One is rupa, jivin. Jif- Jivintindra, and the other one is Nama Jivitindriya. Nama is the names, Rupa is the form. So is the Nama Nama Jitivindra is the it's uh, it's similar to something we call soul. It consists of uh, feeling, um, perception, and mental f- and consciousness, uh, mental formations in consciousness. And the Rupa Jiti Jivitindra is the form and form is the form is the 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 material aspect and a nama is the name name. And usually, when we are just a fetus in our mother's womb, we already have that vitality. We have the vitality of the f- uh, the form, and in the form, as a fetus, there's already a, v- a force, a vitality that pushes pushes forward. And and not only in the body, but also in the mind, there's vitality as well. And. Mangang translated as vitality. And when we are um, a fetus in a mother's womb, our, our vitality is, um, is intermingled with the vitality of our mother. And the vitality of the mother is goes into the the child, the fetus, and the vitality of the fetus goes into the vitality of the mother, and so we can we 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 can say that the soul of the mother and the soul of the fetus are not two separate things. And when the the baby is born, it's as if a child is having a different soul, a different spirit. And the mother has a different soul, but at the beginning it was one; it was together. But but after the baby is um, is born, we think that they are two separate souls. 
But when we look at the mother, we can see the child, and when we can look at the child, we can see the mother. And usually, we distinguish that the animate, inanimate objects are in our animate object, in our animates that are objects that do not have a soul. And animate objects are like animals that have a soul. We tend to have that. We tend to distinguish these two things. As, but but that's not a correct distinction. Because in the in the inanimate object, we also see vitality in them. For example, in a a grain of corn, we see vitality in. There's understanding. There's consciousness in it. When we look at a corn, a grain of corn, we think that it um, it's inanimate, inanimate. But it has the understanding. If we plant the seed in the soil, it can it can um, it can sprout, and it can it knows how to make leaves. It knows how to make uh, fruits. So we cannot say that. A plant of a a grain of corn is inanimate because it knows what to do. And now, uh, quantum physics they see that the the subatomic particles the subatomic particles also have its 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 understanding. As they have their wisdom, and so when we look at the moon and stars, um, we can see that they are consciousness as well, and that we are also the moon, the stars, and. In this winter retreat, we learn the manifestation only teachings, and this is. And in this in this uh, little booklet, is a summary of of all the teachings we have learned, in uh, in this winter retreat. It's in Vietnamese, and Sister Chung Duc is translating it into English, so that our non-Vietnamese speakers can can learn um, can learn it. And Brother Fabka will make uh, a copy for each one of us. And we have to know that in the grain of corn, there's vitality. And when we look at the subatomic atom, a particles or a speck of dust, we also see vitality in it. And we cannot, we cannot uh, create borders between. Animate and inanimate objects. We cannot say that there is a there's a, a living uh, material, living matters, and and um, inert materials because in the inert material there's life, and so between animate and inanimate object is the same thing that in the inanimate object there is life. Um, 
in the diamond sutra, we learn we learn this that the in that um, that animate object are made of inanimate object. If we so, and when we look at a cloud, patch of cloud, we can see the cloud. We can see life in the cloud. Life of the cloud has vitality. It has its lifespan. It has its its life. And when the cloud is no longer there, we think that the cloud is dead. But the cloud is not dead. The cloud only becomes the rain. And the same thing with the rain. It cannot die. It it can become the river. And or it can become the clouds again. And so the cloud goes in cycle. It continues its life. And when it's a cloud, it can live deeply its life as the cloud. And when it becomes the rain, the rain lives deeply its life as the rain. And it's the same for us. We have life. And we have to live deeply our life. We have to live our life deeply. And we, just like the cloud, will not die. Cannot, nothing can be die, uh, dead. Cannot, can be. We have uh, science have already found this truth as well, that matter and energy, their nature are no birth, no death. Therefore, we, what we call death is only a continuation into a different form. And in, in Buddhism, we call it continuation. And when the cloud lives deeply its life as cloud, so that when it becomes the rain, it lives deeply in the form of rain. We have, we have to live this life deeply so that when we become the rain, it live it lives we can live its life as the rain deeply the same with the human when we are a human being we have to learn to live deeply because most of us waste our life we don't know how to live we don't know how to live deeply so that we can have peace and happiness in every moment of our life. And when we learn Buddhism, we, we learn how to, we are learning how to live deeply each moment of our life. Uh, we live deeply the life that's given to us. For example, with an in-breath, 
we have to find peace in in the in breath and the joy in the in breath live live with the in breath deeply when we breathe in we live we live deeply within in breath because when we breathe in we are experiencing the in breath we're going through the experience of breathing in and and if we can do that then the in breath can generate peace but the majority of us cannot do that we breathe in just breathing it for the sake of breathing in and within and while we have anger anxiety fear and with that in breath there's no quality live an in an in, in breath and 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 breathe skillfully um um so that that the in breath in with the in breath there's peace and peace is possible within with an in breath and if we do not um if we do not have peace while we breathe in then we don't know yet how to breathe and in the in the sutra of mindful breathing the buddha teaches how to breathe we have the buddha teaches how to breathe so that we can let go of the tension in our body and in mind and when we come to plum village this is what we learn and there are other many people who are practicing like that for example we have the opportunity to come to plum village for a week one week is pretty long pretty good and if we and and within that week we can learn how to breathe in and out to bring peace we live in each breath each breath for example when you hear the bell we have to live with this bell with the sound of the bell we have to go through the sound of the bell the sound of the bell may last for 2 seconds or 30 seconds for example when when we hear the sound of the bell after it's invited we can breathe in for 4 seconds and breathe out for another 6 seconds so it's 10 seconds all together and then we breathe in for another 4 second and 6 breathe out for 6 seconds that's another 10 second 
and then we have another chance to breathe in and out uh, for another 10 seconds. So the sound of the bell that's invited is an opportunity for us to breathe in and out three times. And every time, it may take up 10 seconds. Four seconds for the in-breath, six seconds for the out-breath. And for those of us who know how to breathe, and each in-breath and each out-breath can generate peace. While we are breathing in and out, we, we stop all the thinking. We only concentrate on the in-breath. We have to breathe in a way that we eh, that we feel um, feel peace as we breathe in. We breathe in and we let go of all the anxiety, thinking, our projects, and we become light like a cloud. And when and the, when the bell master invites three sounds of the bell, we have the chance to breathe in and out nine times, and we can generate so many, so much peace. And if we cannot generate peace, then we have not learned, and we have we need to learn. And every time when we train to breathe like that, then after a week we can we can know how to breathe. And if one week is good enough for us to learn how to breathe. And while we breathe like that, there's other energies that are generated. And first of all, is the energy called mindfulness. Mindfulness is knowing what is happening. And what is happening is that we're breathing in. We're breathing in. We know we're breathing in. That's called mindfulness. It's recognizing there is an in-breath taking place. And we want to live, we live, want to live deeply that in-breath. Just like when we drink a cup of tea, we want to live, we want to drink that cup of tea in a way that we have uh, peace and happiness and joy while we, we drink it. So when we breathe in, we want to breathe in a way that the in-breath generates joy and peace. And, and the energy of mindfulness, the mindfulness energy has the, cap- the capacity to let us know that there is an in-breath happening. And we need to and we need to put our mind, concentrate our mind on the in-breath. And when we concentrate our mind on the in-breath,
anxiety of the the future and the fear of the the future, the anxiety of the past and the fear of the the future um, dissipates, and it brings uh, concentration. Concentration is one pointed mind. So, while we are breathing, we're just concentrating on the breathing, and we let go of everything else. All the anxiety of anxiety and projects for the future are completely let go, and we only focus only one thing, and that's called concentration, one pointed mind. And in that moment, we are truly present. In the present moment, <coughs> we are a true. Per- uh, we are a free person. We are not um, pulled by and imprisoned by the past. We do not get carried away by the future. We are free. To live the the present moment, to live the in breath and the out breath deeply, and this is called mindfulness and concentration. And after the bell master invited the sound of the bell, we breathe in and out, and while breathing in and out, we we generate. Mindfulness and concentration, and the object of our mindfulness and concentration is the in breath and the out breath. Mindfulness, mindfulness of the breathing and concentration on the breathing. Uh, mindfulness is, and concentration are always uh, mindfulness on something, concentrating on something. When we are, when we have the awareness and the concentration, then the third energy is generated inside. Insight is the is an insight, and insight brings a lot of joy and and happiness. First of all, we recognize that we are breathing. When we're breathing, that means we're still alive. We are human being. We have two good eyes to see the blue sky. We have ears to hear the birds singing. We have two lungs to breathe in and out. These are insights that comes when we have mindfulness and concentration. And we have a life to live. We have the opportunity to breathe in. We have a body, and all these are insights. When our, and so when our mind is there and concentrated, then this insight comes naturally. We know we have a body, we have life, and we have the opportunity to live deeply. Um, these um, these breaths, and so with mindfulness, concentration, and insight, these in breath and out breaths 
have peace and happiness. And this is a training. And so, uh, coming to Plum Village, we should not use our time to talk too much, to converse. On the uh, on the phone, or or to think too much, we have to stop all the talking and speaking, and and practice to breathe. And we live in each breath. We live in each breath. We go through each breath, and treasure every breath. And we have to be able to generate peace and happiness with each breath. And this is a challenge for us. Because we have the we have the conditions to do it. We have we are fortunate to have to to have met the, the Dharma the practice. And we're here to to learn how to 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 do to do this. And when we breathe like this, and generating joy and relaxation, peace, then these breaths, these in breaths and out breaths, have the capacity to heal and nourish us, nourishment and healing. Because while we breathe like this and let go of the past and the future and let go of the tension in our body and mind and we have the capacity to to enjoy the in-breath and the out-breath and a practitioner is someone who has who has the capacity to feel the joy of breathing in and breathing out. If we cannot have the joy in breathing in and out, then we are not really a yogi. We are not a practitioner. We have to uh, practice in a way that when we breathe in and out, we feel joyful. And this is called the joy of the Dharma. The joy of the Dharma, or Tingyu, is the food of meditation, joy of meditation, a joy of practicing meditation. When we breathe and we feel tired, then we, we don't know how to breathe yet. When while we breathe and we have joy, we have the joy of the Dharma. We have the nourishment, then, then we are a true practitioner, a true yogi. And this uh, dharm, joy of the Dharma, of joy of meditation, joy of the practice, the happiness of the Dharma, uh, 
for a practitioner their food. And in the sutra we call the meditation, joy of meditation as food. Joy of the practice as food. That we we use the joy of uh, the practice as our daily food. So when we are sitting or walking or we are eating, we are consuming, consuming food, consuming food, uh, and the food, um, the joy uh, of the practice or the happiness of the Dharma are food that nourishes and heals us. And so when we come to Plum Village, we have to learn in a way that we have to live deeply in in breath, in an in-breath, and in an out-breath. And this breath can generate peace, joy. And when we generate joy and peace, then we can let go of the anxiety and tension in our body and mind. When we hear the sound of the bell, we can we can enjoy three in breaths and out breaths, and when we hear three sounds of the bell, we have the chance to enjoy nine in breaths and out breaths, and we have so much opportunity to generate joy and happiness. And if we have joy and peace, then we have something to offer to our beloved. If we do not have peace and joy, we don't have anything to offer them. There's nothing to offer our beloved ones. And so we can, we have to live in each breath. We have to live with the sound of the bell. We have to live a life, but a life is made of um, every breath, every steps. So when we make a, a step, we have to make we have to pr- step in a way that each step brings peace and joy. And from our quarter, living quarter, to the meditation hall, we have to learn to train how to walk so that each step generate peace, joy, and happiness. This is a challenge for us. You, as a young novice who just shaved uh, your hair, This is your opportunity for you to live in that way, to go from your living quarter to the meditation hall, to walk in a way that every step brings peace and joy. But if you walk in a hurry way, then it's a waste of your life.
why we why um why are we wasting our opportunities? Where are we going? Uh, in a hurry way like that. Why can we not walk in a way that each step generate peace and joy? Our teacher have already transmitted this uh, wonderful teachings. And and gathas and these gathas can be applied in every step. I am walking legendary steps. I'm breathing legendary breaths. I'm living legendary moments. Happiness, happiness is available in on my path and this is generating joy and happiness in order to nourish ourselves and when we are nourished then we can nourish other people and so in Plum Village while we walk we have to practice to walk in a way that every step generate peace and joy and we have to live every step we have to live in each step every step is life and so every step is life we have to live deeply a life that that's given to us otherwise it's really a waste And in Plum Village, we learned that while we walk, we can coordinate uh, the breathing with the steps. For example, when we walk, uh, when we when we practice walking meditation with the sangha, we walk in a normal pace. But when we walk by ourselves, we can walk much slower slower every uh, uh, and one step is an in breath and one step an out breath we have we live deeply each breath each step and we taste every step we taste the joy and the peace in every step Every step, every uh, an in breath with each step. It's called slow walking meditation. For example, we have ten minutes. We can use those ten minutes to walk by ourselves with the in breath, coordinate with our step. We walk in a way. To, so we can come in touch with the wonders of the earth, of the sky. We walk in a way that every step helps us to return to the present moment. We walk in a way that every step brings peace and joy 
and happiness. That is something anyone can do if we want. If we really want to do it, then any then we can do it. That anybody can do it, and it's very comfortable. It does. This practice does not make us tired, but it brings joy. And but when we walk with the sangha, we cannot walk uh, slow like that. We have to walk in a normal pace. And so, maybe when we um, we breathe in, we can make two or three steps uh, on a flat land. But when we are climbing a hill, it's different. When we when we climb the hill, the, our steps are are less. With an in breath, or out breath. For example, this is a flat land. When we when we breathe in and make three steps, three steps. Vietnamese is uh, it's, uh, monosyllabic, so it's easy to practice. So we can say, Gong Dang Buk, I am walking. Each word with each step, I am walking. And when we breathe out, Legendary steps. So in Vietnamese, it's monosyllabic. So each uh, each word with each step. Những bước chân huyền thoại. Con đang bước những bước chân huyền thoại. I am walking legendary steps. And when we walk like that, it helps us to have insight. It helps us to see that we are we are a human. We have two good legs and good lungs, and we are um, we are walking with the sangha. We're lucky to be walking with the sangha. So I am walking legendary steps. We are in Plum Village. We are walking with our teacher, our friends from all over the world. This is already. Uh, it, that is legendary. I am walking with legendary, legendary steps. I am breathing. Gong dang thở. I am breathing. Legendary uh, breaths. Những hơi thở truyền kỳ. Or. Or we can repeat, repeat, I am walking with legendary steps. We can repeat it several times before we go to uh, another exercise. I am breathing uh, legendary uh, breaths. And it's so easy. 
body to rest and upright and relaxed. And this is called calming or harmonizing the body. And so every step, every breath can generate joy and, and happiness. Every sound of the bell can generate joy and happiness. While we are sitting, we generate joy and happiness. While we are eating, uh, when we eat, um, we usually think a lot. And so practice are not thinking when we eat, but only feel the food. Because mindfulness and concentration and insight um, helps us to see that um, it's wonderful to be sitting with our teacher, our friends, um, so that we can generate joy um, joy and peace, so that the energy of mindfulness and concentration can nourish us all. When we, bring, when we get food and bring down at our table, we don't need to wait for other people. All we, can, all we can do is just breathe. And we haven't eaten our meal yet, but we already feel the joy. In the so we get our food, we sit down, and it's an opportunity for us to generate joy and peace. And when the last person comes in um, with his food or her food and sit down, then the, then the energy of mindfulness and concentration is already powerful because everyone is breathing. And this energy of mindfulness, concentration, and insight is very powerful because everyone is doing it. And we are nourishing one another with the energy of mindfulness, um, this collective energy of mindfulness, concentration, and insight. And so practicing with the Sangha, we, we get this benefit that our, our breathing uh, nourishes us, but it also nourishes the other person. And so when we leave Plum Village to go home, we, if we want to continue practicing it at home, we have to be able to do it here. And and so when we go home, we breathe, we sit, we eat together with our family, like we are breathing, eating in the Sangha, and this is called Sangha Building. So in my meal, um, a meal is made of um, uh, many morsels of food. And so we use a spoon. We, we, we bring up a spoonful of food. While we are doing that, getting a spoonful of food, we pay attention to to uh, the, f- uh, the spoon of food. 
our mind is not thinking. When we eat, we pay attention to two things: the food that we're eating, and our friends who are sitting around us and eating with us. So these are the two things that we pay attention to. This is called mindfulness of food and mindfulness of sangha. We stop all the thinking. We have to keep in mind that we are breathing, breathing with, without we are eating, we are eating without sangha, and we bring up the spoon of food. And we use our mindfulness to be aware of that this food is the the gift of the whole whole universe. This rice uh, is the gift of the earth and the sky. The earth and the sky have collaborated to to bring this grain of rice, and. And it only takes a second you know, while breathing in and out. We only need a second to recognize, recognize this. And sometimes we eat, and we're not. We don't know that we are eating. We are not aware that we're eating because our mind is not there. It's called the mukti. Mind is not present. Uh, Thai means present. In our sangha, we have a sister whose name is Thai Nim. Uh, she adorns herself with her presence. Uh, that means the mind is not present. When our mind is not present, when we look, we do not see. We listen, but we we do not hear. We eat, but we do not know the flavor. We do not taste the food that we're eating. This is uh, this is these are lines in a sutra. So when our mind is there, we look, but we do not see. We hear, we listen, but we do not hear. We eat, but we, we do not know the flavor of the food, and this is this is a state of uh, lack uh, of forgetfulness, lack of mindfulness. And the word the uh, tambaktai is equivalent to to forgetfulness, the lack of mindfulness. And when we eat, we have to be truly present. And to be truly present, we have to stop our thinking. And uh, for lunch today, at lunch we will have a chance to eat together in many circles. And the first thing is that we put our bowl of food down. We stop thinking and we breathe. We breathe in a way that we are nourished. We are nourished with our breathing, and we nourish other people with our practice of breathing. We nourish one another. And when the bell is invited to eat, then we eat in a way 
every morsel of food, every second we're eating, has uh, mindfulness. Help us to see, um, and it takes a, a second or two, and we can see the truth is that that the food we're eating, we're holding in our spoon, is the gift of the sky and the earth. When we chew, we maintain that awareness. We don't chew our project, our anxiety, our suffering. We only chew the food. We don't, and we have to live, live deeply that morsel of food. We chew in a way that we have joy, peace, and happiness. It's not, at the, it's not, we're not just nourished by the food, but we're nourished by the practice of uh, mindfulness of joy, peace, and happiness. And we can chew the, at least 30 times. And while we chew, we, we breathe, and we come in touch with, with, in touch with the earth and the sky. And the secret of success is no thinking. Because thinking takes us uh, away from the present moment. We think a lot, and most of our thinking are are not very productive. And if if we need to think, then we think in mindfulness and concentration, and this this. Thinking can bring a lot of insight, and this is productive thinking. And usually, most of our thinking are not productive. And the more we think, the more we are, um, the more we are lost, the more we are confused. And and if there's mindfulness and concentration, then our thinking is more productive. Um, thinking without a thinking that is that are unproductive, it's called mental discourse. It it makes us busy, and it prevents us from coming in touch with life. And so we have to stop this mental discourse while we eat, while we walk, while we sit. We chew thirty times. Then, uh, until the food in our mouth become very small, very tasty, it becomes liquidy, and and it's very good when we chew. It tastes very tasty when we chew, and we can chew more forty-five times, fifty times, and we don't need to eat so much. We don't need to eat a lot, but feel nourished. And so we live every every morsel of food. We live in every morsel of food. And so we eat in a way that there's peace, joy, and happiness. And this is a challenge for us. We are supported by everyone around us to eat in that way. 
and if we can eat, if we can eat like that here, then then we can we can hope to eat mindfully uh, at home, and that we practice here in whatever we do, that we do them with mindfulness, concentration, and insight, and it helps to improve the quality of our life, and we would not regret that that uh, someday we become rain. And when we become, we would not regret that when we were a cloud, that we were not a living the cloud, the life of a cloud deeply. Please take out the 30 verses. We are going to learn verse number 5. Sister Zhang Poda, please come up to write Chinese for Thai. When Thai breathe, when Thai drinks the cup of tea, Thai has joy and happiness. Live, um, live, drink your tea properly. Enjoy your cup of tea. This is Thai's um, one of Thai's calligraphy. Sunshine out there. We um, we have been partying, celebrating that for so long. Now we have to learn to make up. So we will learn three verses today. Good enough, good enough, sister. (laughs) This is the fifth verse. These three verses talk about manas. First of all, that nang uh, means the uh, the subject is manifested, and this word being means uh, manifestation. A force that 
that brings about the manifestation. And the word uh, manifestation is different from creation. And creation means from nothing becomes something. Just like a creator. And the word uh, creation means from nothing becomes something. And manifestation is not like that. For example, a cloud. It cannot be from nothing. Um, it cannot come from nothing into existence. Then before it manifests as the cloud, it's, it was already there in the form of vapor. We cannot see vapor. And water vapor is not yet manifested as cloud. And so creation, a create, comes from, that means that something from nothing it comes into something. And manifestation means that it, uh, it goes, it, it's already there and it comes into existence uh, in different form. And nang being, manifester, and she being, and it's manifested. For example, when we look at the moon and the stars, the moon and stars are the being and the manifested. When we look at the and the earth, we see the rivers and mountain. That's the manifested, and the manifester is our store consciousness. And these two things, they they cannot be separated. And we can use the example of the, the vapor as being uh, the manifester and the cloud as the manifested. The water vapor is the manifester and the cloud is the manifested. When, when we look at the cloud, which is something that is already manifested, we see we see the manifester in it as well. We can see the water vapor existing in the cloud. If we take the water vapor out of the cloud, it's not possible because the manifester and the manifested are one. And in Christianity, the idea of uh, creator and the created creature are two uh, separate things. The majority of the Christian think that God is the creator and and the universe is the creature, the created. And the creature, the creator and the created can exist separately. But the cloud and water vapor cannot be separated. 
when the water vapor become cloud, then water vapor is present in the cloud. We cannot take the water vapor out of the cloud. And water vapor is the manifester, and the cloud is the manifested. And in Christianity, there are theologians who can see that. I can see the non-duality between the creator and the created. When they look at the creator, they can see the created. When they look at the created, they can see the creator. So in the creator, there's the creature, or there in the creature, there's creator. And so the force that make uh, everything manifest, make life manifest. The first force is called is the store consciousness, and the second force is manas. So the 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 first manifester is the the store consciousness. And now we are learning the second manifester, uh, which is manas. We have already learned about uh, um, store consciousness. The second, man- the first manifester. Okay. And secondly, to it's it's a, it's the second manifester. It's a kind of consciousness called manas. The second manifester is a kind of consciousness which is named which named manas. Very easy, isn't it? Very easy. Nothing difficult about it. The word uh, and the other, the other. Manifester, the other. So the other manifester, which is uh, store consciousness. The first manifester. And so the word be is referred to the store consciousness. And so manas leans on the store consciousness to manifest. It used the manas, it used manas use store consciousness as a space to manifest and then return to store consciousness, and grasp onto the store consciousness. Just like I find, I find that um, that gives gives uh, that gives off a branch that grasp onto the body of a tree, and it's the same thing. This is mana. Uh, this is store consciousness. The first manifester. And in in the 
first manifestor in the store consciousness, there is the vitality, a life force. And from this vitality, um, it gives rise to the second manifestor, manas. Manas, uh, store consciousness in manas. So manas lean on store consciousness to manifest and come back to store consciousness and grasp onto it, grasp onto store consciousness. So the second manifester, it's the kind of consciousness called manas. It, li- it relies on the store consciousness and returns to store consciousness and grasp onto it. It's nature and its uh, its object are the, um, mentation, cogitation. This is um, this is the thought manas is thought center. It's the center for the thinking. It's the ground. It's the base. That that um, that thinking thoughts are arise, and it's it's a kind of direct perception. It uh, manas comes from the vitality. Uh, in the store consciousness, and it it and it grasps onto this body, the body as itself. We know that our body is made of five elements. A person is made of first is uh, the body, feeling. Perception, mental formations, and consciousness. And first of all, manas is born from store consciousness, and then it goes back and it grasps onto the body part of the store consciousness and say that it is itself. This body in the store consciousness is something very miraculous, wondrous. It's not the object of grasping. It's completely free, but manas grasp onto it, grasp onto this body, and say that it is itself, itself, its 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 object, and this is called. It's called a, a view of the body. That this self, this body is itself. It's self. It's a self. Sakaya in pa, in Sanskrit. Sakaya Dristi.
And so manas has the has the subject and object, and its object is the body. That this body is mine. That's called the second manifester. As store consciousness is the first manifester, and the second manifester is manas. And the nature, as well as the function of manas, is mentation. Cogitation or mentation. The thing, this this consciousness is a direct. Uh, it has a direct perception, but it's an erroneous, erroneous direct uh, perception. And in store consciousness, this body is something wondrous, and. Has a lot of freedom, but according to manas, this body is its object, its object of love. It thinks this is itself, and it grasps onto it. And this image is no longer the image of reality, but only, uh, but a creation, creation of manas. And so, this body, the body in the store consciousness, is called uh, things in themselves, reality as it is. Things in themselves. But when manas look at it, look at the body, it becomes. The body becomes. It's no. The body is no longer things in themselves, but it's a creation. It's a creation of manas. So self is a creation of manas, and night and day manas hold on to this body and say, "This is my body. This is mine." And it does not know that this body is made of. Mountains, rivers, vegetations. This is the environment, the environment, the universe, and in it is the body. And when we look at our body, the body we see, we see the environment, and. Man the, is made of el- elements of the environment, and if we take the environment out of man, Manas does not see that. Manas says that this body is mine. The environment is not mine. It's not me. So it has a distorted perception of of the body. And it 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 sees it as itself. So it relies on the store consciousness to manifest, and then return to it and grasp onto to it as its object, 
and its nature as well as function is mentation, agitation. We have um, translation into Vietnamese and English in the in the thirty verses, the text of the thirty verses. Now we're going to the sixth verse. Manas go going along with the the manas. There are four kinds of klesha, four kinds of afflictions. That it it conjoined, it goes together. The four kinds of afflictions are usually go with manas, and these four are ngashi, ngaking, um, wrong view of a self. Ignorance of itself. Ngashi means it's ignorance of itself, about itself. It has a wrong view. It's 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 deluded about the self, and ngaking is a wrong view of the self. So it has it's deluded. It has a It has delusion of the self. It has wrong view of the self. Ngamang is a a. It has pride of the self because we see we see the body as 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 ourself. It gives birth, gives rise to three kinds of. Pride. One is that I'm better than the other. Superiority complex. I'm better than the other. I'm number one. And the second is, I am inferior than other. I have no value. It's called inferiority complex. There's the superiority complex and the inferiority complex. And then there's the third, third complex. God. Equality complex. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not bad. I'm not bad. Worse than the other person. I'm as equal. As the other person, so these are the three complexes. I means uh, attached to a self, and so the second the manas, the second manifester is called is called the the beloved. Manas is the lover. Manas is the lover. 
every one of every one of us there is the lover in us. So we will go over again that this uh, consciousness manas usually it goes uh, with along with the four kinds of affliction, the ignorance of a self, wrong view of a self, uh, a self pride, and a um, a self love, and it also goes with mental formations. So, Uh, it goes with contact, attention, feeling, perception, volition. So this consciousness goes with the four afflictions and also with the five uh, universal mental formations. The five mental uh, universal mental formations. Very easy, isn't it? Do you understand? If you don't understand, raise your hand. (laughs) This consciousness goes together with the four afflictions. Ignorance of a self, wrong view of a self, complexes of a self, and attachment to self. They always go together with the five universal mental formations. And the last verse you will learn today, that it is uh, undetermined. It's neither wholesome nor unwholesome. And it's it's obstructed, it's covered up because it's born from the vitality, the force, the life force, the will to live. And it grasps onto the body and so it's it does not see the truth. So it's covered up, it's obstructed. Uh, And it's undetermined. We cannot say that it's wholesome nor unwholesome. Uh, Slowly we will understand what uh, undetermined means. That it's neither wholesome nor unwholesome. It belongs to the category called the obstructed and undetermined, whereas uh, store consciousness is unobstructed and undetermined. Wherever store consciousness is, there is manas, that it follows manas, it fan, manas follows store consciousness as, as a shadow. It follows store consciousness like a shadow follows uh, an object. 
when store consciousness goes to Plum Village, manas come to Plum Village. And when we attend our hardship, or we go into um, a a concentration state called uh, cessation, then then it no longer no longer there, and in its place is called uh, in its place is the wisdom of non-discrimination. Wisdom of non-discrimination. It does not discriminate anymore. It does not see uh, self an object. There, there's no longer ignorance. There's no longer uh, attachment. And this is the wisdom of non-discrimination. It's wisdom of sameness of non-discrimination. This is the this is the understanding of many masters of manifestation only te- uh, teachers, manifestation only teachers. And so, when we become arahat, or when we are in um, high um, on a high spiritual path, or when we are. In a state of cessation, then manas is no longer present, and in its place is the wisdom of non-discrimination. But um, these two lines, it does not um, express the deep understanding of um, non-purity mm, and impurity. In Buddhism, we have. Of the view of five uh, insight, five views. Five views. Five views. First is the uh, view of a body. It sees the body as a self. That's that's a wrong uh, view. Uh, when we look deeply, uh, in uh, looking looking deeply at our ancestors in our body, we can see that this body is not ours. It's not a self. This body is a continuation of our ancestors, our parents. So to say that this body is ours, it's erroneous, it's wrong. This body is not ours. We are not the boss, the owner of this body. We are, it's a, it, this body is a, is a continuation from our ancestors and to, up to us and it will continue on to our children. And when we look into our body, we can transcend this view, the view of the self. That this self, this body is is a self. 
The second is being king. Extremes. It has a view of extremes. It's a big obstacle. Of of um, our our perception, mm, because it it cannot hold on to the truth. We think that we we imagine that that the object of consciousness and subject of consciousness are two thi- two things that can be separated. We imagine that there is a consciousness, a subjective consciousness inside. It has the, it has the, uh, the view, the idea of the inside and the outside. That there is a subjective consciousness inside, and there is the objective universe outside. And that these two things can be present separately, can exist separately. There is. Whether there is the sub- objective universe out there or not, uh, the subjective consciousness can be present, can exist, or, or whether there is the subjective consciousness or not, the objective universe is uh, it can exist, and so this is a dualistic thinking, the dualistic notion of notion, but in in reality. Things rely on one another to exist, and the object and subject of consciousness cannot be separated. And in the West, there is a school called phenomenology. And in the school of thinking, they think that consciousness always have an object. And that without the object, there's no there's no consciousness. That consciousness is always consciousness on something. And that when we see something, we uh, we always see when we see always see something. When we hear, we always hear something. When we suffer, we always suffer because of something. And they're beginning to see that. The non-dualistic nature of subject and object of consciousness, and in science, it's the same thing. At the beginning, they say that that there's the observer outside um, that stands outside of reality to observe reality, but now they're beginning to see that we cannot stand outside of reality to observe reality. We have to. Participate. We cannot be the observer. We have to be the participant to understand reality. And so there is this um, non-dualistic um, thinking of subject and object. And so we think that there's the inside and there's the outside. The left, uh, the left different from the right. 
um, that dying is separate from uh, from birth. Uh, the impurity is different from uh, the, the impurity, and we choose we choose one and we throw out the other one. And the example that we use a lot in Plum Village is the piece of paper. We see this piece of paper. There are two two faces, the left and the right. It clearly is two faces, but the truth is that we cannot take one one side out of the other. We cannot say, "Please take the left to Bordeaux," and "Please take the left to Bordeaux." That when there is the left, there is the right. We cannot take the right out of the left, the left right out of the right. And it's the same thing: the inside and the outside, the above and the below, the subject and the object, the purity and the impurity, the wholesome and the unwholesome, happiness and suffering. When, when we think two things can be separately. Can exist separately. This is called being king. And to transcend this view, we need to have the view of of um, interbeing. Co coexisting. That there there are always two. Happening together, just like the left and the right. We, if we say that I only like the 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 left, I don't want the right, and we try to saw to cut cut it into halves to throw away the right, but we find the right again. So we cannot have one without the other, and this is called co-being, interbeing. Just like lotus in the mud, lotus and mud, they they coexist because without the mud, there's no lotus, and if there's no lotus, there's no mud. Uh, lotus become the mud, and mud becomes lotus. And now we're hoping just to have the lotus, and we don't want the the mud. Then it's not possible because without the mud, there's no lotus. So in Plum Village, we say that don't look for happiness. Don't look for a place of happiness without suffering. That place, whether it's the kingdom of God or the pure land of the pure land, it's the same thing. That there is no place. That we can grow without the mud. We cannot have happiness without the suffering. And and here it says that when we are, we can completely transform manas. That we have uh, the wisdom. This is not correct. The issue here is that we have to know how to use the mud of manas to make the 
wisdom. That as long as there's mud, then there is the wisdom. Uh, in other words, in each one of us, there's suffering and pain. Uh, and it, we have uh, uh, sexual energy or mental formations of attachment, mental formations of of complexes, of wrong views, and of ignorance. These are all mud. And if we come to a church or a practice another practice center, and and if they say, "I have a way to get rid of this mud completely," then but in Plum Village we don't say that. We don't want to get rid of mud because we want to make use of the mud to create the, the lotus. If you have suffered. If you have been attached, these are the mud. And the reason, the reason you're not happy, because you allow these to grow and to, and you don't know how to make use of those mud to grow lotus. And that's happiness is made of suffering. Without suffering, there's no happiness. Lotus is made of mud, and without the mud, there's no lotus. And this is the truth that we have to learn in Plum Village. We have to accept the mud in ourselves. I have mud, but that's okay. It's okay for me to have some mud in me. And just the fact that you are able to accept your mud, you can already be at peace. We don't need to uh, hurry to to eliminate all the mud. The issue is not to allow the mud to overwhelm us. We have to learn how to make use of the mud to grow lotus. Because because as soon as as long as there's the mud, there's lotus. As long as there's manas, there's the the wisdom of non-discrimination. So we have to make use of manas to grow uh, the wisdom of non-discrimination, and so we don't have to come to a point of uh, where manas is completely gone to have the wisdom of discrimination, because we can have wisdom of discrimination while manas is present. And the reason we have the wisdom of non-discrimination because the manas is there. And so the teachings of Plum Village is that we have to learn to accept our suffering, our weaknesses, our shortcomings, and we we live in peace with it, and we make use of this suffering to generate peace and happiness. This is our practice, because without lotus and without the mud, there's no no lotus. If there's no manas, there's no wisdom or discrimination. And so to to say we have to go to a point where there's no manas to have the wisdom or discrimination is not correct. Because without manas, there's no consciousness. Without manas, we cannot hear. We cannot see. Without consciousness, we cannot have... Uh, we cannot have mind consciousness. We have cannot have the five sense consciousness. 
and that mind consciousness is the tool for us to practice. It's very clear. And so we have to, when we, we have to be able to have a good grasp with this teaching so that when we read the original text, we would not fall into this misleading um, teaching.